Well, east and wild, it is exploding, violent flares and bullets loading. You're enough to kill, but not for voting. You don't believe in war, but what's that gun you're toting? And even the Jordan River has bodies floating, and you tell me. Well, look at all the hate there is in red China. Take a look around at Selma, Alabama. You may leave here for four days in space, but when you return, it's the same old place. Love your next door neighbor and don't forget to say grace and tell me. Hello and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. I'm Dave. And it is the New Year's Eve episode, the last episode of the year, and I have been joined by two of my oldest and dearest friends, Jim and Jeremy. Hello. Hi, everyone. How are you guys doing? We're good. It's a little late, but, you know, we're hanging in there. The truth is, we recorded a little bit, and I fucked up, and now we have to re-record it. <laughs> but we're not mad or anything. No. <laughs> What? Say, speak your truth. Let me <laughs> I just said we're not mad. It's all right. Jim, we, what do you have to say? We, we had 25 minutes, probably 15 of which were superfluous. We could have gotten rid of anyway. So, Listen, so, you know. Dopey Nation, it wasn't that good. You didn't, you didn't really miss anything. Yeah, there we go. I we promise just, it was you. just us. We were just warming up. Right. We were just warming up. It was banter. Um, if you don't remember, Jim has been on the show three times. The first one psychedelic pooping his pants where he told the people as he shat himself I am birthing you <laughs> all of you all of you I think I meant everyone in the world okay <laughs> and my favorite thing is Jim on mushrooms alone in Times Square when he tried to kidnap an infant that was my favorite I did get I got punched in the face for that one as you should as have. I should have I yeah. feel like in the history of Dopey like, that's top five stories for me. Really? Oh, because you couldn't even tell it on the show, right? But when it happened, <laughs> it was like, I'm going to give a quick synopsis. Me and a bunch of our friends were doing mushrooms downtown, and, and Jim was supposed to come do mushrooms with us. And he said, no, I'm going to take the mushrooms uptown, and I'll meet you. And I was like... I was, no, I was, I was on the phone with you guys, and my girlfriend, who was in Turkey at the time, was on the other line. And I said, no, I'll... I'll, I'm gonna. I'm eating them right now. You got. You guys eat them now too. When we meet, we'll, we'll coordinate. Yes, we'll we'll peak at the same time. It'll be perfect. And they're like, "This is a bad idea." I was like, "This is the worst <laughs> idea." It's always a bad idea. Like trying to get 
people in different places to take drugs at the same time so everybody gets to the same place. It's again, it never happens. It's like simultaneous orgasms. You can't plot it. It's either going to happen or it's not. Like, that's it. And then I talked to my girlfriend for 45 minutes, and then I got on the train, and it was all over. <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, he like got off the train at 42nd Street. And I, gra- and I, ended up, I ended up, I think, I ended up at Grand Central, and it was, it was the, they were doing the ballroom dance, because it was New Year's. Oh it was my, New Year's oh Eve. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was, I mean, a recipe for just utter disaster. He w- he found himself in a pizza place, and Jim Jim's just such a crazy guy. He just he just he's crazy, you know. He he acts one way, but it's not really how he is. He went to the pizza place. He lay down on the counter, the actual pizza counter. And when he told me the story the next day, he was like shell shocked, and he was like, "I don't know what happened." <laughs> he was like, "I think I." Lay down on the pizza counter <laughs> where they're making the pizza, and I was like, and he was like, and then there was this woman with a baby, and I tried to pick up the baby. Wasn't that what happened? I just, I yeah, it was a very cute baby, and I, I, you know, I like children. <laughs> anyway, I, I went over and I tried to make contact, and next thing I knew, I was on the ground, and this guy, a big, big, strong guy, had. I don't, I, don't, I don't even remember him punching me. I just remember being on the ground and looking up and seeing his fist and be like, oh, he must have just punched me. Anyway, so that was was one of my favorites because it was just so odd. And, uh, and Jeremy was on the show one time uh, in the first, I want to say the first, you know, six months of making the show or something. And Jeremy told the classic, the classic smoking weed on an airplane story. Yeah. Which um, I think you should just retell right now for the hell. I can, of it. I'll give you. I'll give you the two cent tour of it. Like I'll give you the. Because Jim, you never heard that story. The I don't, I don't remember the story. This was this was the summer I was studying in London. Uh, I was studying at uh, uh, the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art for the summer. Um, you know, just trying to get some education in the whole acting thing. You know, get over the Shakespeare fear and all that shit. What Shakespeare and, fear? Yeah, well, I mean, like, you know, like when you're a young actor, like there are certain things that scare you a little bit because you don't really know 100% how to do them. You know, it's just like, oh, how do I do Chekhov, right? Like, how do I do Greek? How do I do Shakespeare? Because it's not like getting a script, you know, like a Marvel thing and you know, be like, no, Thanos. Like, I get that. Like, I can do that without doing any research. But, you know, like to do Shakespeare to correctly. To pull it off. Yeah, you got to understand iambic pentameter. You have to understand stress. You have to understand, you know, the lack of subtext, you know, because all the characters actually say what they're feeling. You know, you have to, you have to know this stuff. Um, like, again, like, if you want to do anything well in art, you know, you've got to do the research. I bet you you could write a, a play or a film called Shakespeare Fear about a student who's has that. Yeah, probably. Well, and this would be a great ending to it because my summer ended. But do you know why it would be a good idea? Oh, I'm sorry. I've gotten away. Shakespeare and fear rhyme. So Shakespeare fear would just be a really... Well, yeah, working time. That's it. Ugh, gross. Really? You, deri- you derailed me for that. Bleed. Anyway, so the, at the end of the the, uh, the summer, and I had I had found weed while I was over there. Like I found a connection for, for Bud. Yes. So um, we were smoking. One of my favorite things is when I was smoking with some of the the. Um, uh, British people, because we all sat in uh, one of the students, like uh, her parents had this, you know, great house with this English garden in the back. And, we all was, and they're all rolling spliffs, uh, spliffs, you know, as they all said it, you know, as I'll, I'll roll one, then you roll one, we'll go around circle like that. 
and they you know rolled these perfect immaculate joints. But the way they did it was it was mostly tobacco. And then they take a little bit of bud and just sprinkle it in. And you know, as an American, you're like, what a waste. You know, like all I have is this horrible headache and I'm not high. So it was my turn, and I just rolled on those all weed and I passed it around. And the first guy next to me just smoked it and just started coughing up a lung. He was like, is this is this all dope? And I was like, yeah, because that's how we roll in America, motherfucker. Um, and, uh, at the end of the summer, uh, like towards the end of the program, I got hit by a minivan what? crossing the street. Yeah. That's where the, I have this little scar in my hand still from there. Cause I broke his headlight with my hip. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, that was two days before we finished. And then for some reason, like I thought like karma was in my favor. So I was like, um, I've got this long flight coming up. I was still a little sore and I was like, I know what I'll do. Uh, I still have a little bit of bud left. Right. I'll smoke it right before my friend comes to pick me up, go to the airport um, and, you know, I'll be high for the flight. And then I started thinking, it's like, no, you got to get there two hours earlier. There's traffic. There's checking in. I don't want to come down. Like, I know what I'll do. I'll I'll bring I'll have him drive me there. I'll smoke before I go into the airport. Then I'll go, and then I was like, you know what? No, because, you know, you got to check your bed, and, like, a security line is long. Like, who knows? You know, there could be a delay. I know what I'll do. I'll check in, get to my gate, go into the bathroom and smoke. Would this be before 9-11? Is this before 9-11? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, this is pre-9-11. Oh, yeah, you know, I would never have tried this post-9-11. That is an excellent point. So then I was like, no, this is what I'll do. So to be as high for as much of the Hold flight on, as possible. Like, do they smoke cigarettes in the bathrooms in England? No. Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. You're not allowed to do that. I don't even think there was a so smoking section. So why did you think for a second Dave that you could smoke in the bathroom? hit by a minivan. No. I was like, oh, I'll, have, like, I'll do that thing where I, you blow into the, you know, like a toilet paper tube stuff with the thing. And I had, I had like spray with me. I was like, It'll, I'll make it work. Piece but this is the kind of stoner that you were. You yeah. were committed to getting high before you got on the plane. Oh, I, I wanted to be high for as much of the flight as humanly possible. you're going to be like Eddie Murphy in Trading Places. Where he, he smokes a spliff and throws it into the... Well, you, I mean, like, that was even more clever than anything I had thought of. If that had crossed my mind, maybe. So then I came up with the best plan ever. I know what I'll do. I'll get to the airport. I'll check in. I'll go through everything. I'll be the first one on the plane, quickly run to the bathroom, smoke in the bathroom on, on the, the plane, plane, and then that'll be perfect, God, okay? kicked off the plane no just, shit. For, just for smoking in. I've you been, got it. I've been friends with Jeremy. This is the for, stupidest thing for, I've ever done, for, hands for, down, for or one 39 of. years. We've been friends for 39 years. And I would say you are the one of the least likely. I've known a lot of fucking dumbass motherfuckers yeah. in my life. And I would say you are one of the least likely people to think that they could smoke weed on a plane and then even less likely to actually do it. Yep. It's weird because we used to joke that you had the script to life. I remember that. That you kind of knew what was coming the next day. I remember one time we were talking about that and we were walking and I think it was like uh, the the courtyard at school and – Steve Murtaugh was like, "Oh, check it out! I just uh, I found a I found a, uh, a token, or you know, I found I found a quarter, whatever it is." And I was like, "Oh, hey, look a ten dollar! Like literally, hey, look a ten dollar bill!" And he's like, "You motherfucker!" <laughs> it's like, "Did you know that was there? Did you put it?" There? I'm like, "Nope." It's just it's like because yeah, I have the script. Um, so I was like, "This is what I'll do." So that's what I did. I you know I, I was like, "This will work." So this is how stupid I was and how little uh, advanced thought I put into it. So I'm like, "This is the plan." 
So I do this thing. I've smuggled it in. I get on the plane as quick as I can. I run to the bathroom. I close the door. Meanwhile, the wallpaper in the bathroom of this flight was just no smoking insignias. <laughs> there was no way to not see that so it was, uh, you know, I, I want to see if you can, and I'm, and Dopey Nation, anybody who listened to this episode, forgive me for retreading yes, so I, this. I, I apologize to all no, of you no, who listened from the beginning. It's, it's too good a story to not tell it again. Mm. But... When you walk into the bathroom, yes, and it's all no smoking insignias. Yeah, what are you thinking? What, Dave? I was past the point of rational thought because everything should have been screaming to me, "Don't do this!" Because there was no way to get away with it. No way. There was no way <laughs> to get away with this. And I mean, I don't know. Like, I was like, I got hit by a minivan. I'm owed one. You know, like that was the, that's as far as the logic could take me. It's such There's a, no other reason why I do it. It's just so bananas to me. Because it's insane. Of, because it's not like you. No, and it's so out of place. So anyway, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. just so. Not but like, like now, it. here's where it gets worse. So I get into the I get into the this bathroom. This is the kind of thing I would do. Yeah, but what I and I would. I would take the tiniest hit and I would just hold it in, you know? Okay, so hold on. But This th- is what I did. Okay. This, that's what I did. I got into the bathroom, closed the thing, and I was like, here we go. So first thing that should have been giant red flags to not do this was I didn't have a bowl. I had rolled a joint. That's what I'm talking about. Right? <laughs> I had rolled a joint, and I was like, oh, I'll put it out after everything. And, you know, and I was like, there's no... I did, again, this was so stupid. So I light the thing up, and I, I smoke it, and I quickly put it out, and I hold it for as long as I can, and I slowly blow it out, and then after doing this twice, I'm like, this is taking way too long, right? <laughs> this is this is annoying. And like, We're, you know oh, what? Wait, wait, and there's not question. that much smoke. Were you the first person on the plane? No. Okay. No, not even close. Because what happened was, is I start now after the second one, now I'm now I just sit down on the toilet and I just start smoking it, right? And smoke's coming out and whatever else. Then I'm sitting there, and then all of a sudden, as I'm smoking it, bing! Please return to your seats. And I'm halfway, and I'm like, uh... So I start hitting it faster, right? And then like, bing, please return to your seats. I was like, ooh. And then there's... It's all smoking. Yeah, and then on top of all that, because I'm already getting nervous, but I'm almost done with it, right? So I was like, I'll just finish it really quick. Then all of a sudden, sir, sir, please return to your seats. I was like, uh, yeah, I'll be right out. I spray whatever it is. There's still smoke in the fucking thing. I take the roach. I flush it down the toilet, which you're also not supposed to do, right? And I'm like, and I'm quickly trying to make the air go somewhere else. There's nowhere for it to go. It's an airplane bathroom. So I open the door, you know, and finally I open the door, and I'm not kidding. I walk out with a cloud of smoke. It follows me like pig pen stink as I come out of there. And the woman, the the <laughs> the poor woman who's the flight attendant, just like the look on her, she was just so shocked. Anyone had done this? Um, like I don't even think she knew how to react right away. So I walk out, and I'm like, okay, thanks. And she goes, and like she's just shocked, and I'm walking away, and and she goes, um. So were you, were you smoking in the bathroom? I went, yeah, is that not okay? Now, again, you can see over my shoulder, the wallpaper, the pattern are just no smoking signs, right? In different languages. So whatever, you know. So And she's like, you're not allowed to smoke in the bathroom. I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry. I won't, I, I, I'm sorry I won't do it again. And she was like, <gasps> and like, I got really frustrated, but there were things to do for pre-check, whatever. So I go back to my seat and I slide in next to this very nice Filipino doctor and his wife. And I'm like, okay, You're you know, all high. and I'm all high, right? I probably stink. And I'm sitting there and, you know, feeling pretty good. So I relax and 
we're about to start taxiing, and I feel it, and I close my eyes, and I feel this tap on my shoulder. I look up, it's the head flight attendant, and she leans in with this like look on her face, and she goes, sir, can I see you in the galley for a moment? And I was like, because now I'm high, I was like, okay. <laughs> right. Jeremy, Jeremy, again, I've known you for, I want to say, 39 years. This is potentially the most trouble you could ever be in yes. in your life. Yes. The only thing that was my saving grace at this point when she tapped me on the was shoulder it was, gone. was it was gone. I had none left. There was nothing on me. So anything that there was was the roach that was in the septic system and whatever was in me, right? So there's no way, you know, like, so I, at least I thought, oh, I had gotten away with the it. Perfect crime. Right. Yeah, perfect crime. No, what could possibly go wrong, right? I told myself this a thousand times. Everything went wrong. So she taps me, says she wants to see me in the galley. I was like, all right. So I get up and I go follow her. And she goes, uh, so were you smoking in the bathroom? And I had already had like my, my sad face going and the, I'm really sorry. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. Um, it, was, it was only the one cigarette. And I really, really apologize. I won't do it again. And she goes, uh, well, you know that you know, if you're smoking while we're refueling the plane, you could have blown up the entire plane at that time. And what I'm thinking is... <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, but I was like, really? Blow up? Oh, my God. I would have felt terrible had I blown up the plane. I'm glad you told me. I am ve- I, now I'm even more it's sorry. Terrible. Seriously, a man... It's like, do you, do you think that's possible? I not, no, I don't think it's possible. No. I really don't. Okay. But I mean, but again, I'm not going to argue with the yeah, woman. How could it be possible? For a for hundred years, everyone's chain smoking the exactly. entire flight right. from Thank beginning you. to end. And what, do they put gasoline in the toilet? No, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the blue liquid. You know, right? so, um, so then she goes, uh, yes, you could blow them. I'm like, I'm really sorry. That sounds so day. I'm really sorry. And she goes, yes. And another thing, a number of the passengers complain that they smelled pot. And I laughed right in her face when she said it because she was so British. And, and to say pot, pot, I mean, like, I, I couldn't, I, I, I literally just went, <laughs> you know, snorted and I, you know, I tried to cover it up. And I went, what? And she went, pot, marijuana. And I went, oh, well, it was an herbal cigarette. And sometimes they smell like that. And she was like, well, what kind of herbal cigarette? I was like, oh, you know, it's cloves and I think some basil or something like that. She was basil. I was like, I'm not really sure what was in it. And she's like, well, was it a rolled cigarette? And I went, yes, it was. Well, you're not allowed to have rolled cigarettes on the airplane. You're not allowed to have any cigarettes on the airplane. So it's a moot point. But anyway, so I looked at her and she's like, you're not allowed to have rolled cigarettes on the airplane. So I said, I'm really sorry. I won't do it again. I'm done and I looked at her and she looked at me and she kind of gave me this sideways cold stare and then went oh alright and I went oh thank you and I went back to my seat and the flight was great the food tasted better than airplane balloon ever I had slept. and I slept right it was great you know and so that was the flight you're very lucky you're white. Oh, are you are you kidding me? I'm lucky I'm white and I have dimples when I smile. Like I think well, those he was the... young. Yes, you have yeah. to you have to really deconstruct this thing. Yes, he's lucky he's white. Oh, so, uh, yes. But... And just lucky in general. Because like <laughs> honestly, I don't I mean like I think even a white person, you know, like they should have, you know, probably would have thrown the book if at me. If you deconstruct this thing, we're talking about I think it was probably nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety nine this happened. Or maybe ninety seven. How old No, it was ninety ninety six. 95. My 95. point is, 95. it's a time where smoking had just been unilaterally say, I gonna, banned. I was right. going to say it's possible that there were still actually uh, ashtrays, ashtrays oh, yeah. in, in the chairs. Oh, absolutely. No, little flip-up ones? Yeah, yeah no, yeah. they had them. What right. I'm saying is he, he had this happen in a moment in time where if you smoked a cigarette then... 
you would have gotten exactly what Jeremy got for smoking the joint. If you smoked a cigarette now, like, the FBI would come take you off the plane. If you smoked a joint, the FBI would take you off the plane. It was that moment, and thank God it was that moment. Because, like, the consequences would have been dire, dire consequences. Oh, yeah. So you, would have, you were in London flying back home? Yep. You would... Was that Heathrow? I think that the worst consequences would have been that they would have revoked... They would have, like, stamped your, your passport so you couldn't have come back. Right, yeah, that's, that's what I was expecting. You know, like, I, the worst thing to do. But, yeah, but that was it. You know, it's like, I've never... My... Again, I fully blame it on being hit by a minivan that I would even attempt something like this because I felt the universe owed me something at this point. I don't know. Really, though, the universe was giving you a fucking ball story. Yeah, well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's such a, it's such like a thing in a movie. It's a great story. It was insane. Um, Just yeah. like reliving it in my head, I'm like, I can't believe I did that. I, I, I remember traveling with marijuana on the plane. But never smoking it. Oh yeah, no, I've I've but, yeah, like, like pre 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 nine eleven. I remember flying home from school, and I pulled out my ticket. They want like we still had paper tickets, and I was I gave them the ticket, and it it was in the same pocket with this bag, <laughs> of marijuana, and the marijuana bag came out with the ticket. <laughs> and I was just pretty back here like, oh, I don't know what that is. And that was that was like when uh, Todd tried to smuggle pills out of Mexico, and we drove down there, and uh, he was being interviewed, and he, he went to go for his wallet, and like. <laughs> Pallets of like little pop pills fell out all over the floor, and I literally just turned my back and walked out. I'm like, Todd's not getting out of here. He's never gonna get out of here. Like he literally just dropped, through, you know, two hundred dollars worth of illegal pharmaceuticals on the floor as we were leaving. Wait, so what happened in that story? Which one? Go. The Todd one? Yeah, they, he just picked them up from his pocket and they let him go. One time, Todd. Well, I don't want to get to the Todd stuff. One time when I when I was in the same era. I was visiting Dave Morganroth, I shouldn't even say his name, but it doesn't matter, in, uh, in California, and, uh, and I'm flying back from San Francisco, and it was probably the same year, because I had decided I had the exact same thing going on with me, but you could still smoke cigarettes in the, air, in the airport. Right, they had those areas where you In California. Go, yeah. So I remember I just, like, camped out in some spot, and I just... You know, smoked uh, like five bowls. I just kept sat there smoking weed so I could get on the plane and and be high. But I never flew anywhere without drugs. Lots of drugs. I would have you know weed in my pocket, weed in my backpack. When we went to do a, a show in Jamaica, I brought fucking fifty bags of heroin. I brought to Jamaica. You know, and it was still, it was pre-9-11. Yeah. But, like, I wasn't, every trip I did for work, I flew with heroin and pills. Like, I didn't go anywhere without it. And um, I always just kept it in my pocket, though. I never put it anywhere else because I was scared that people would find it in other places. You know? I always, For me, I always try to stash it either in my toiletry bag mm. because there's so many weird things in there that have, you know, like all different viscosities and smells and things. I was like, it'll get lost in the shuffle. Uh, or like I just jam it down in like, you know, a shoe or something if I didn't have a check bag. Now, but I mean, but now like you can, uh, I had a friend of mine who was flying out of uh, LAX and was like, how much weed am I allowed to bring with me into the airport? And I'm like, I think it's like a half an ounce or something like that. Yeah, you can like now bring weed really? to the airport. Yeah. Well, you go to oh, their right. stores, you know, yeah. it's like it's a brave new world. Right. Right. Now, yeah, it's nuts. now for the Dopey Nation again, who, uh, you know, there's, I, I always want to change the show around a bit where like, 
Like, I feel like when Chris was on the show, Chris didn't know so many things, you know, that I would have to explain a lot of different stuff to Chris. And when I would explain stuff to Chris, I would be explaining stuff to the audience, too. And I think it was this great thing. You know, so now I don't do that, and I feel like I want to give a million more explanations to the audience that I don't give. Why are you... This is... Why am I saying this? Yes, pertaining to what? Well, for example, like, Jeremy, like, when when I lived uh, in Chelsea, uh, I had a girlfriend who uh, broke my heart, and I was alone uh, in Chelsea, and Todd... My friend Todd was doing nothing in upstate New York, and I was super lonely. And I was like, Todd, why don't you move down and live with me in Chelsea, and I'll pay the rent if you pay for the drugs. That was the arrangement me and Todd had. And Todd was like, all right, I'll I'll come do it. So Todd moved in, and Jeremy, who uh, we said this in the deleted version. We didn't say this in the non-deleted version. We've been friends since we were, you know, five years old. We've been super tight since we were five years old, basically. I can't think of an era that we weren't super tight, except maybe my most horrible uh, drug era. And we were living together then. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But um, fucking Todd moved down, and Jeremy quickly started coming over all the time and getting high with me and Todd. And it was mostly just smoking a ton of weed. You Mm. know, the three of us would smoke a ton of weed, and we'd play video games, and we'd eat food, and we'd watch TV. That's basically what we did. Yep. We'd watch, like, unedited Simpsons tapes and and smoke weed and eat. Um, And then somehow uh, heroin got into the equation, and uh, and Jeremy, you know, kind of fell into the heroin thing. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because I think most of the people who listen to the show are drug addicts or, um, you know, are drug addicts in or, or not in recovery. And Jeremy was somebody who did a ton of heroin, and uh, I mean, maybe you were addicted to it here and there, but you didn't become a total heroin addict. No, I mean, like I, I was addicted to it in enough of a sense that when I wasn't doing it, I wanted to do it. But like, I also like I got lucky in that I was able to identify the moment where it all I could see it all getting away from me. And, and like, not to, you know, put the onus on you or anything else, but, like, one of the things that helped was, like, I moved to California. Well, why don't you talk about that a little bit? Um, California is a state on the west coast of the United States. Uh, I live in Los Angeles. It's at the southern Jeremy. tip. Oh, I thought you wanted explanations. Oh, sorry. Okay. So what happened was, is, like, again, I was hanging out, and we were... We were we were doing a lot of we were doing a lot of heroin is what it was and I mean like at that point I think we were all snorting it and that Wait, was about did it. you move to California to get away from this? No, I, I moved to California for multiple reasons, but like one of them, and I won't deny this, was to get myself out of this situation because I could see if I had stuck around, it might or probably would have gotten out of hand. Well, describe it a little well, bit. Wait, but I remember you, Dave. You did. You had the same logic that you were going to move to California to, in order to have a, like a change of. No, 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 no. I moved to yeah. California when my when my parents stopped paying my rent. I was in rehab, and I didn't have anywhere to go, so I moved to Jeremy's house. And it, like at that point, to be fair, it wasn't just my house; it was me and Todd. But that, I, and you and Todd were like fire and gasoline yeah, together. Yeah, I, I remember. It was always, I remember bad. like the, this, the buzz of this. I remember you saying like, "I need to get out of." Uh, no, 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 but I, I didn't have anywhere to go. 
Jerry, this is a different thing. Yeah. This, I mean, me, at that point, I was a full-blown heroin addict. I, know, I was but, in but rehab. You, you were just out of rehab. I just remember the, the explanation for going to California was that it would be a change of environment, which is somehow what you needed, but that everyone was saying, no, but it's going to be terrible because he's going to go live with Todd. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, it's going to be the worst thing he could possibly do. And I remember, I remember yeah, because I remember we talked about it because I had the conversation with Todd multiple times. I was like, if Dave comes out here, you cannot get him back into that life because he's coming out here to get away from some of the temptation. You cannot, and you have to promise me, Todd. <laughs> you have to promise me. You will not let this happen. Me Meanwhile, Todd's addicted to crystal meth. I know. And nobody's talking about it. I but, know. I, but I'm not interested in that. Yet. Yes. I'm more interested in, and in, in this is, I think, going to be helpful for some listeners because we were using heroin between three and five days a week. Mm-hmm. And you were too. Yep. You know, and we were getting fucking high, and, uh, and the heroin was pretty good, and it was a fucking thing. You yeah. know what I mean? And and we all had a little bit of a habit where if we didn't do it, we would feel pretty shitty. Yep. And we could barely, like, talk. It wasn't a full-blown fucking dope habit. It wasn't full-blown sickness. It wasn't full-blown, I need to go cop. It was like a dude would come to my house mm-hmm. with dope every couple days or whatever. And Jeremy would would be anxiously using, too. And And do you remember, I mean, we were young. Mm-hmm. We're 24, 25 years old, right? Yeah. And do you remember that period? Yeah. I mean, I remember it pretty vividly because, you know, like it, it, there was a lot going on. You know, like I was, at a, I was at a grad school. I had two master's degrees. I was feeling really good about myself as far as like what I wanted to do. Like I was finally out of school and I was ready to like be an actor, like try this, try to make a living at it, try to build a career. And I was excited because I've been, you know, trying to do it for a long time, but my dad was adamant. He was just like, you can't get it, go into this business unless you have your, uh, your, uh, a master's degree because then at least if you don't make it, you know, you can teach and you can still do what you love. You can make a living doing what you love because you're good at it. So, um, you know, I always thought that it's still the, some of the best advice I ever got. And I remember because and and when we were all doing uh, when we were all doing it together, we were all kind of doing about the same amount for a while. We'd get like a bundle on each two, three bags. Right, and then I noticed that because I would always you know like have to go and do something else. And around this time, I got involved with a production that got me my equity card, my actor's equity card, which is the stage union, um, uh, doing a traveling show and. I remember, and this is where things sort of kind of changed. I got sick before going to, uh, on our first, uh, because I was doing a tour that was already in in progress. So before we went to like, I think it was our first moment, I got dope sick and I threw up. And I was really nervous because I didn't want to lose the job or anything else. And I hadn't brought any with me. I never brought any with me when I, when I went anywhere. So we were on the road for about a week and a half, two weeks at a stretch or whatever it was. And... And I remember being sick at the beginning and going, like, I can't perform like this. Like, the way I'm feeling right now, I am not going to be able to do what I want to do. And now, thank God, we had a travel day and a half a day before the first show, and I was able, and I got right in that time. And I remember when I came back, it, we weren't doing the same amount anymore. You and Todd had stepped it up, and you were calling more often, and if we bought a bundle... Uh, I would get like two, two bags, bags and yeah. you guys would split the other eight. 
Um, and it was little things like that. And and you would never take it home with you. No, I know. You might take like a bag or maybe not. Yeah, but, it, but that was really more just to hold on to for the next time because I don't think I ever really did any at, at my parents' place. Um, and yeah, they're, they're, you know, so there was that moment where I got where I got sick and then there was another moment that followed when I got done with the tour and then I started hanging out with the, the two of you a lot more and I was getting more into it and I was traveling with my mother and I was on the subway and it was like a day or something since I had done any and I got violently sick and I threw up in front of her on the subway never thrown up on the subway in my life growing up in New York City because right. that's disgusting and irresponsible <laughs> to everybody else who has to ride the damn subway right. but I, I, there's nothing I could do and she knew she knew that there was something up something was up and because you know my mother is a wonderful human being she didn't automatically fear the worst but she knew something was going on and I could see it in her face and I could see what was happening to me and I was like I have I have to stop now now is the time if I don't stop now it's going it's going to be a problem for probably a really really long time so that's when I decided I was going to like way cut down and then eventually cut it out but what helped with that was is I was talking to my uncle Skip who's uh, now at the actor's home in New Jersey and his wonderful actor Skip Lynch and my dad said if you're going to do something you want to you know try something new because I was getting frustrated with auditions in New York uh, you know just wasn't getting a lot of stuff that I wanted and it certainly wasn't leading to representation or anything bigger it was just kind of hustling for the same thing so I went west and I went to California and that was the way that I got out of it and once I got to California, I didn't know anybody in that world, so but it was impossible Todd to find. With you. Todd came. Todd came for the beginning, and then went back. He went back to New York. No, he went to San Francisco. San, San Francisco. Pardon me. Uh, but he was like he didn't. We didn't end up living together for another. I think it was like three years, two years after the fact. When you drove out with Todd, mm-hmm. do you remember? Do you remember like? talking about dope or was there any like no because like we I don't even think we did any on the trip like we just smoked a ton of weed we brought a ton of weed with us and we smoked the entire way across the country um, in freezing cold temperatures and an ice storm when we left in February and we listened to Rocker T on repeat over and over and over again and we smoked a ton of bud and that was it Jared do you feel like the, the experience you just described was kind of, you know, like your bottom. It's just your bottom was way higher than for mine. Example, than oh, Diggs. yeah. I mean, yeah, that yeah. was essentially like this. You were like, this is as bad as I want this to get. That's that's precisely, it, yeah, what it was. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was that moment where I was like, I know it's going to get worse if I keep doing it. But... There was also like I was cognizant enough to say like I I don't want to I don't I can see where where it gets worse from here and I don't want this to get any worse. I'm, I'm just thinking about like what what makes a quote unquote junkie a junkie. You know like like is there a specific? We were talking about this earlier. Is there like a genetic predisposition? Is there is there a different kind of personality type? Is it you know like what makes one person? Like, feel like you guys were in kind of similar roads, mm-hmm. but you made different choices well, and is you know, it because of who you were is it because of circumstance like how much of that was california how much of it was just you were already on this like career path that you were psyched about and you had you know had but, you had had in your mind since we, I, but forever. dave was was you know uh, producing stuff at burley bear you know like so he had things that he was excited about too i think it's i i what i think is is that there's no uh, we're all looking for that formula to figure it out and i think it's it's all of those factors i think it's and for everybody it's just a different combination well what they I, say yeah. what they i mean like i don't 
particularly subscribe to any like definition of affliction or addiction because I think just the way I think a cure or arresting the affliction is pretty unpredictable and there are there are, I know for me 12 steps is a very simple solution to my affliction and I and I don't know if I was born with this affliction dormant in me like I don't right that's that's sort of what I'm I, I mean you knew me my, my whole life and, and or, yeah you uh, were so straight laced in a, in a but way but also I didn't even do here's the thing I think I the, the biggest telltale of an addict is somebody who's uncomfortable in their skin right who like there's a million telltales but for me I was always uncomfortable in my skin I was always like worried I was always like questioning who I was or what people thought of me and and always like I left uh my reality mostly through fantasy at mm-hmm. first through television or daydreaming or eating like I would have my flights of fancy through those things and uh obviously the first time I drank it didn't agree with me and I couldn't drink the first bunch of times I smoked weed it was not a big deal but at the same time I, I think the first time that I or the only time that I did heroin or snorted heroin was with you at a party. And it might've been one of the first times you did too. And, and I, I remember just feeling terrible and wondering why in the hell would anyone do this, especially at a party? Cause you don't want to talk to anybody. You just are just trying to manage your pain. Yep. Like well, I just couldn't like, <laughs> it didn't make any sense to me because I didn't have the same kind of like wanting to get out of your skin kind, kind of thing that you're talking about. I know that when I discovered, when I really got into smoking pot, it was at college and I felt super alone. I think my whole life I felt super among friends and safe and like a part of something that you always needed to be around people. Yeah. I feel like out of all of our friends, you were the most like that. And, and you did. You surrounded yourself with people all the time. I mean, to when, deal with it. Yeah, like when you when you said that like you wanted Todd to come and live with you, I was uh, that was my first thought was like, oh, of course, because like... I couldn't imagine you living by yourself, especially then, like like just after college. Yeah. No, I I because I, 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 the thoughts in my mind were incredibly isolating and pain provoking. Like when left to my own devices, without drugs or women or people, I thought horrible thoughts. You know what I mean? I was like my my mind would race, yeah. and I would medicate it with with drugs or TV. You know, I mean, like even at this point, like when, when I'm not in a good place, I'll put on, I'll start a series again. Yeah. Like I just started The Wire again, and like holy shit, I'm so happy to be in West Baltimore with these guys. <laughs> like I, I feel these old, so these at old home. friends. Yeah, with Avon and Stringer Bell and Weebay. I'm like, where the fuck have you guys been? You know, but um, but you from, all look good. You look the same. <laughs> you got to have But like. And I, I do this over and over again, and it's because like that's what how I am. You a know, a lot of people do that. I think. I mean, you do that too. I do that definitely. Yeah. Um, I think everybody. A lot of people do do that. I think that um, Jeremy, though, you know, did have you know the same criteria of using, and he didn't have the same uh, affliction pop up for him. You know, and he did see it. You know, in me and Todd. He wound up moving in with Todd. I wound up... Because when he left, though, when Jeremy and Todd left, I stopped using dope also. Yeah. Huh. I stopped using dope for, like, six months or something. 
because I knew that, number one, I couldn't handle doing it by myself. Like, I needed to find another way to live in Manhattan with Jeremy and Todd gone. So I smoked weed and I went to work and stuff. It wasn't until this one night, I was, um, it was very Matrixy kind of night. It was like, you know, I go to bed early. It was fucking 11.30 at night and my buzzer rings. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And it's Dave Kennedy, this guy Jake, Dave's girlfriend, and this girl Jenny, this other girl Jenny. And, Skinny uh, Jenny? Aurora's friend? That was Dave's girlfriend was that Jenny. Oh, yeah. And, um, and they come up and they're going to a rave. And they're like, and the rave was near my house. And they had nothing. They didn't. They weren't inviting me to go. They just needed a place to go first. So they came to my house at eleven thirty, and I was like, I was like, I'll go, you know. And uh, and I went with them, and I and I wound up eating ecstasy, and I wound up hooking up with the other Jenny, and it turned out the other Jenny was a heroin addict. The other Jenny. This is Jenny. Jenny? No, a different no, Jenny. Different. <laughs> There's three Jennies. It's funny. Okay. It was a different Jenny, and she was a heroin addict. And uh, and I did ecstasy with her, and like the whole time we were tripping, she was like, "I just want to do dope," and I was like, "Oh, that sounds good," because I hadn't done dope since you had left. Mm. And and in the next morning, we we started doing dope together, which led to my first like impatient as a methadonian, and, and led to my you know led to getting a real heroin habit. Because at the same time that all that was happening, I got I got my contract, my first contract for you know like eighty thousand dollars or whatever. And uh, and my rent was like three hundred, so it was like I could. I thought I was like I had arrived. I thought like I was this genius who was making all this money and could afford a heroin habit. You know that's how naive I was, you know. But it was like it was literally just the circumstance of the wrong person getting into my circle. And I just want to say this real quick. Um, I never mentioned this on the show, um, and I should have. Uh, I don't know two weeks ago or something. There's this dude named Philip who invited me to go on his podcast. It's called Psychotropic. And I went on his podcast and it's just like my heroin addiction. So if you guys want to listen to me talk about my heroin addiction, it's on the Psychotropic. And I said I was going to mention I never did. So since this is uh, dopey, I'm going to play a voicemail. And I like this voicemail. It's from this guy Ian in California. You ready to hear a voicemail? Yeah, go for it. Yo, what's up, Dave and the Dopey Nation? Uh, this is Ian from California. Just wanted to hit you guys with the Dopey story from my easing days. I'm going to go ahead and jump right in just to keep it short for Dave. Uh, all right, so this story takes place a little bit over a year ago. I just got out of my second treatment center, and I was staying at my parents' house. I didn't have a job or anything. Uh, I was trying to just get a solid couple months under my belt before I started adding stuff back into my life. Uh, I couldn't have had more than 60 days clean, I don't think. Uh, You know, whatever I had, most of it was due to being locked away, you know, in a treatment center. Uh, This time, uh, I was was going through it pretty hard, struggling with with those cravings that just hit so crazy, uh, you know, early on in recovery, those uh, first couple weeks, couple months. Um, I wasn't really doing everything I was supposed to be doing and, you know, wasn't really taking suggestions or going to meetings as much as I should. And, uh, yeah, that, that wasn't working out too well for me. 
I was, uh, you know, all, all this stuff's going on. I was trying really hard to stay away from heroin. Uh, at this point, I had kind of realized that, uh, you know, other drugs, uh, I could kind of skate by a little bit longer. But as soon as I get on heroin, you know, it completely destroys my life within a matter of months, you know, at, you know, if that. So, uh, you know, I'm pretty fucked up in the head, you know, just fighting this, this battle, trying to fight the compulsion to, uh, to use heroin. And, uh, I finally just get fed up and, and decide that I'm gonna take some Xanax instead, uh, thinking I could get away with it, uh, you know, doing it one time or, or whatever the fuck. So I hit up my buddy and I, I pick up two Xanax bars I, I get home, I wait for the family and everyone to go to bed because I didn't want to, uh, you know, look suspicious or be high around them. So everyone goes to bed, I take the first bar. Before it can even fully hit me, I, I pop the second one thinking that the first isn't going to get me as high as I want to be. And uh, obviously that was a huge mistake because my tolerance was, you know, absolutely nothing at this point. So uh, before I know it, I'm... Very high on Xanax, and uh, my next great idea comes to uh, to hit up the dope man because I I had already fucked up, so I might as well use heroin too, right? It's a a classic one right there. So my dope dealer uh, hits me back and says he'll meet me outside my parents' house after he he makes his next stop. So I decide the best uh, route out of the house in order to uh, make the least noise and avoid waking everyone up is uh, to go out of this three-foot-wide square window that's, like, really high up on the wall in my room. Uh, This thing's super hard to fit through. I don't even know how I was able to pull it off at all, especially high. I thought I was being quiet at the time, but in hindsight, I was actually, you know, probably being loud as fuck. Uh, I get my legs through, and I, I go to push off, and my pants got caught on the windowsill and completely ripped the side of them. I land all weird on this uh, this box that my mom had out on the porch and just completely flattened the box out. It, it couldn't have been quiet. So then I, I go around the yard and I, I go into the front and I'm waiting a few houses down on the corner for my guy to roll by. And out of nowhere, this car comes flying through the intersection going, you know, 40, 50 miles an hour and hits this dip in the intersection and they... The car goes flying up a couple feet in the air. They land and they lose control. They swerve into this uh, power pole, which uh, they completely fuck up. And it falls over into the side of this dude's fence. And it's like leaning on his house. I'm standing there like not really sure what to think or how to react. I'm in a, you know, stuck in this Xanax stupor. And uh, the first thing that pops in my mind is, fuck, I hope my guy gets here before... He sees the cops and, and the whole shit show heading towards this area. And I was hoping he'd get here. You know, I was hoping he would get there uh, before all that shit so I could uh, get my dope and he, he wouldn't get scared off. As I'm thinking all this, my, my guy pulls up and he's super pissed that I didn't give him a heads up about it. But whatever, all I, all I really cared about was, you know, myself and uh, making sure I got my shit. So I get the dope and I start walking back up to my house and when I'm walking I I see someone running up the street and it's the driver of the car 
and uh, this other guy comes flying up behind him. Uh, must I'm assuming it was the dude who owned the house was fucking chasing him down, trying to uh, you know hold him until the the cops got there. And you know, of course, I'm just out of my mind at this point, and uh, it just didn't really hit me how fucking crazy all of this stuff that was going on actually was. And so uh, I, I go back inside through the shitty window and somehow make it in safe without waking anyone up. And uh, I do the heroin and uh, end up passing out. I wake up the next day with the heroin in my lap, just completely fucking disappointed in myself and uh, just kind of fuzzy about everything that had happened the night before. And of course, I, I finished the rest of the dope because I had already fucked up everything and that sent me spiraling back into heroin addiction and, uh, you know, which led to another couple rehabs and, uh, all of that good stuff. But I'm just grateful that, uh, you know, now I have 13 months clean and sober and I have my life back and am a, you know, functioning member of society again. And uh, I'm just glad I, I caught it young and uh, doing everything I need to do to to maintain. And, you know, life is better than it's ever been. And I'm super grateful for that. But uh, thank you for, for listening. And uh, I got a couple more stories I could send in uh, if you guys like this one. But I just want to say shout out, Dave, for... Uh, keeping this thing going this uh i know this thing means a lot to uh to everyone else just like it does to me and it was so uh you know surprising and uh hurting hurtful uh i guess that's the word when uh the news about chris came out just completely shocked me and uh you know we've lost so many people to this disease this year and uh pop culture and music and i'm sure all of you guys have uh lost people in your personal life like i have and it's uh it's just so sad it, it never gets easier and it's so hard to see these people going out so young and uh, i i just hope we as a society can uh figure out some way to help on a larger scale this shit is out of control but Dave, we appreciate you, and uh, you know the content's been great. I know it's been rough, but uh, just keep it up, man. And uh, just want to say rest in peace to Chris. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and toodles. Thank you, Ian. I love that voicemail. Um, yeah, I think you could see that voicemail in my head. Um, crazy shit. And Jeremy was... Uh, when we were listening to it, Jeremy reminded me of, of uh, not exactly the same story, but uh, another sneaking out the window story. But before I even get into it, it's like, yeah, so many people have died this year. It's been like, seems like the longest year ever, you know, like with these deaths and, uh, you know, fucking Chris and Todd dying this year. I talk about it on every episode because I don't know how to do an episode without talking about it, you know, uh and every time I say pretty much the same thing, which is that I'm so sad that Todd died and I'm so angry that Chris died. And um, and Jeremy was somebody... I mean, both Jim and Jeremy met Chris once. or tw- yeah. You know, once. I only met him once. And you no. only met him once. No, I met him a couple times. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we all knew Todd. 
Yeah. You know, uh, and, you know, like, when Todd died, you know, his, one of his best friends, I remember, like, we were, my, my daughter, my young daughter was uh, three months old or something, two and a half months old, and we were giving her a bath in the sink uh, in our house. And uh, Linda's phone rings, and it's this guy, Rob, who's one of Todd's best friends, and, uh, or it's my phone rings. And, and I said, oh, it's Rob. And Linda looks at me, and she goes, I think some, she kind of mouths, I think something really bad happened. And I know that Todd's dead the second she says that. Um, because what else could it be? Oh, because why, why, why would this, this guy, guy be calling call me? Yeah, like, no. maybe he got arrested, but that's... You know, Todd, yeah. we get arrested all the time, yeah. you know. So, and when he told me, I was just in total disbelief about it. Now, the first person I called was Jeremy because I didn't know, well, I mean, Jeremy lived with Todd for, you know, five years or something, maybe longer. I think it was, well, I mean, it was four years, but. In that house, only four years? No, it was five years. Five years in that house. Yeah. Because I was in California, I think seven years, mm-hmm. maybe eight years, and Todd had come home. Yeah. But you guys were in that house for four or five years, yeah. you know. And when I came out, Todd was addicted to crystal crystal meth, uh, trying to, you know, wholesale retail weed, you know. Um, what do you? What I mean, like, if you were to tell somebody what living with Todd was like, how would you describe it? Um, it was never boring. Is that all right? I mean, like. What I remember about living with Todd were the little things. Like, the drug use was always kind of present. So it it never... Like, it was was only things that happened because of the drug use that were, like, those moments. Like, the time he escaped out the window when my parents came to visit because he didn't want to talk to them. So instead of of going through the front door of his own home, he went through the window of his bedroom. And my parents full saw him going (laughs) out the the window and crossing to his car. And then his car drove away. And they were like, did Todd just go out the window? And I'm just shaking my head. That's not what happened. No? I, I was with your father. On the sun porch, oh, in that's the front it. of the house, and me, and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, Paul. I'm back on methadone. He goes, Well, at least you're not doing dope. And he goes, Did somebody just steal Todd's car? <laughs> <laughs> and I and I knew what it happened <laughs> you know, because Todd didn't want to talk to your parents. I know. He was too fucking tweaked out. He kicked out the screen it, so he could get out that way. Yeah. No, but what like what I remember about living with Todd were like like I remember the basic things, the easy things. Like I remember that he loved to cook but didn't know how to clean anything. Like I, I remember the fact that. I I thought he must have had like shin splints or the worst knees because he used to walk around on his he would come down hard on his heels you could hear where he like for a small guy he sounded like a 400 pound man walking around the house I mean because he would hit the ground with his heel first and it was just where he was going it was boom 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 I mean like I remember that I remember he loved his pit bull that he never knew how to clean up after and it never really got to a head until the dog shit right outside of his bedroom door and he came out and slipped in it. And it was one of the greatest things I have ever seen in my entire life. Um, like, like those are the things I remember, you know, like I, re- I remember, you know, like, uh, you know, like going to reggae shows with him, uh, you know, he like, would smoke, he would smoke meth 
like all day and all night, but still he'd be slicing up lemon to put in every glass Less of water. Because he'd be like, this is how you stay healthy. The- lemon water, lemon water, it's good for the kidneys. He, would, he was like so convinced that lemon... He, he was convinced that lemon water was preventing him from being a full-blown addict. Like that the detoxification miracle of a lemon kept him from picking up a real habit, you know? He was... Uh, what do you remember about Todd? I just feel like I, I never met anyone who was who who was looking for as many kind of shortcuts. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean the lemon the lemon thing is kind of like yeah, that. It's, yeah. it's his shortcut to health. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Todd's mantra was kind of like that great line from The Simpsons. You know, it's just like after years of trying and failing with get rich quick get rich quick schemes, I know I'm going to get rich with this scheme and, and quick. quick. You got it. <laughs> like that was that was Todd's thing. He was like, I know like the other things haven't worked, but I'm going to work construction, and this time I'm going to make like. So so much money. Yeah. Then he went and did it, and the guy who took him to do it was like, Todd almost killed himself five times today at work. <laughs> it was his first day. I don't think they're going to ask him back. Well, Todd was tiny. Yeah. He was tiny. And they had him, like, hauling a heavy thing. He almost coated himself with, I think, uh, cement at one no, point. because yeah, Todd's, like, this real skinny. Because back then, Todd gained a lot of weight after that, but he was real skinny, little guy with the big hose of cement uh-huh. and I could just imagine him with the big vest and the fucking helmet and he's got this ridiculous I could imagine that that cement hose just dragging him down yep. um, or I remember like I had gotten him a job as a PA and like and Todd would do anything not to work whatever he could do not to work he would do it and then he's like he like calls me over to some spot and we're in like some production room in the headquarters and he points down at a laptop sitting there and I'm like just shaking my head don't, don't do, do it, it man and he goes he's like he's like he's like there are people there and he's giving me this look like I'm going to steal this. <laughs> this is going to be my laptop. I'm going to make more money from the laptop than I did on the job and fuck you. Keep your fucking mouth shut. He steals the fucking laptop. Then he's like, Dave, did you get paid for that job? I was like, yeah. He goes, well, I didn't. And I go, well, you stole the laptop. Maybe they knew you stole the laptop. (laughs) He goes, how could they know? And then I, like, went and dropped something off, and they're like, can you please tell Todd to return the laptop? <laughs> and he like he like put it in the mail or something, and then and then I remember. And then he like back. and then he like went in. He's like, "Where's my check?" And they're like, "You stole the computer." He's like, "He's like you with the fucking weed on the plane." He's like, "You don't know that I stole <laughs> it. It was an herbal cigarette, <laughs> you know." But like that was Todd, and like um, man, I fucking love that kid. Like I love Todd. He was such a fucking menace, you know, and, and like he loved to cause trouble. He loved to get away with shit. He loved to say, fuck you. I loved all of those things about Todd, you know, and I loved being like the, the, the fucking ridiculously, you know, col- ridiculously terrible collaborator. Like I, he was the one person that I could do that with. I feel like he worked so hard. To not work hard, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but it's like, it, but it, you know, it, it, well, the stories you told already today, like the, the kicking out the window, 
that's so much harder than just like saying hello or oh, like, and you or have to I, realize, or I gotta go, or I'm sorry, I can't talk. And like, and like, and the window wasn't like a regular window. It was one of those ones that were set like about five feet up from the ground. Like, so I mean, like he had to get up on his bed and build like a rickety bridge, <laughs> you know, like a child trying to get cookies off of a you know refrigerator. It was yeah, it's I, uh, I, the amazing amount of work he put into keep from working. I, I, I feel like I've heard you say on this on this show so many times, Dave, that. You know, it's it's hard to get clean, but it's it's so much harder not to. You, you know what I mean? Like like you worked so hard, mm-hmm. and you don't you don't realize it, but it's so much work to avoid all this stuff. And he did so much of that. I mean, he was always working. You know, like even just the the thing you're talking about with the stickers. That, oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, to um, get to get like point four out of each y- thing. Yeah, yeah. It's so much work and such little you know reward reward. But and, the reward for Todd was getting away with it. Mm-hmm. Right. That he this was going to make him special. This is what set him apart from the suckers. You know that Todd could figure out the scam. And like I know that I spent tons of time saying to him, it's so much easier to not do it. You know, and like, and like the the fact of the matter was, Todd just was this person who had a. Do you think that that's part of? Do you think that's part of? I mean, I'm still I'm still thinking about this. What makes what makes an addict an addict? This this like need to be special. Like 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 there's some acceptance. I feel like you know in recovery of I. I'm under like the I'm a human being, just like all other human beings. Like you know, I have to deal with reality, and, it, and there is a reality that I have to deal with. Do you know? Do you I know don't think I'm, it's about being special. I think it's an it's an entitled nature where you feel like you deserve X, Y, and Z. You deserve to get away with this. You deserve mm. uh, to not have to work as hard. Why? I remember Todd used to, uh, he had a video editing job or an assistant editor job, and uh, he'd be like, I can't believe they're getting angry at me for reading the paper at my desk. I mean, it's not my fault I'm so efficient that I get everything done in the first hour. <laughs> and he would say shit like that all the time. Do you think there's any correlation between that and... Being an addict? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there is. I mean, I think, and I'm not great at this stuff, but I think addicts... Um, I mean, like the idea that you, like you need to be special because they're because you're not comfortable in your own skin. Like you're you're not like you're constantly having to prove to yourself you don't believe in yourself. That like well, know, the the great the great phrase is you're an egomaniac with an inferiority complex. Right. Yeah. right you know that right. you think you're the center of the earth, but you're a piece of shit. You right, know. Right. But they're I mean they one because of the other. But I think with Todd, I think. Todd had these very, very specific qualities which killed him, you know, and, and Todd, the qualities in Todd that cost him his life was this denial of what was actually happening. Yeah. It was like, catching up with him, I feel like, by, by the end. Like, wow. He was more and more, like, that, that chipper, like, this next scheme is going to really pay off. Was like, gone. It, it was really becoming so hollow, you know, even when, like, it, it didn't ring true even to him when he was saying it, it felt like when I was hearing him. Well, the last year of his life, it was just... He wasn't even trying. It was just waiter job to waiter job to waiter job to using, to blaming the restaurant for why he got fired, to blaming the next person, to lying. You know, it was like... But, I mean, also, six months before Todd died, and and I'm sure I've said this on the show, he he said to me, I I hadn't seen him in a year or something, and me and him were taking this long walk from where he was working to Penn Station, and he said, I'm tired of living. 
he said, the only thing I like to do is to get fucked up and, uh, and I can't do that anymore and it's not working. He couldn't afford it. You know, it was like yeah. he just, he wasn't meant to be a happy, free person. Which is know? which is crazy because like when I first met him, like he was like he was he was just kind of like this little bright light of joy, you know. It's just like he always was smiling, was always upbeat, and yeah, he had some crazy ideas, but most of the time, like they were funny, you know. It's like uh, with the um, Back to the Future the musical, you know, like he was that he came up with uh, I think using uh, behind blue eyes as Biff's lament, you know, or whatever it was, you know, like he. He was always he was always adding. He was able to add something fun to whatever situation you know that that had nothing to do with drugs, and that was that was wonderful. He was he was super fun. Yeah, you know. And this year we lost him. You know, and uh, and he's never coming back. You know, and that's just crazy. You know, but it wasn't surprising, like the way Chris was. I feel uh, like that's why you're you're sad about him and angry about Chris. I'm angry about Chris because Chris knew better. You know, Chris knew everything that a person needs to do to not die from this thing, and he died from this thing. You know, Todd knew neither of them, I I can say pretty fair and square, neither of them thought there was a chance that either of them would die. Even though on Dopey, Chris says, if I relapse, I'll probably die. And I say, you don't really believe that, and he giggles. You know, and it's like, and here we are, and it's the last show of the year, and he's dead. But, um, you know, and that's just something that we have to live with. You know what I mean? Like, and I think everybody who's listening to the show, uh, if you're in recovery, you know, pat yourself on the back and know that you made it another day. And if you're not, and you're fucking with any drugs that might have fentanyl in them, you know, it could be the end of you the second you fucking get high, you know? And, and, like, I know that if I was still using, I would be just like Todd and Chris and not think that I could die. Because, like, that wasn't a part of it. You know, you hear about people dying, but you're not dying. Yeah. You know, it's just you're getting high. I'm going to... I'm gonna, And that's the other thing I love to hear about that voicemail is that uh, the dude's clean. Yeah, know? 13 months is great. He has 13 months... Anybody can get 13 months, you know, and I don't say that to diminish that kid's accomplishment. I say that if you're struggling to get a day, you put enough days together and you have 13 13 months, months. you know, um, there's a, you know, there's a Facebook page for the Dopey Nation. I don't, I don't think either of you guys are on it, but oh, you are on it. Well, there's a Dopey Nation face. Jeremy's not on it. There's a Dopey Nation Facebook page and, uh. And recently some dude posted about how I keep talking about how good my life is now that I'm clean. And he was saying, and I'm not going to paraphrase this perfectly, but he was saying how, like, he feels weak. You know, he's clean, but he feels weak, and I sound like everything is good. And it's so funny to me that I could ever sound like everything is good because, like, you guys have known me your whole life. You were also very weak. Yeah. I remember them. I remember, like, that is a good description of how exactly what you were. You you were feeling very weak. I remember you were physically very weak. You were trying to build your muscles. Mm-hmm. Like, when you for, when you first got clean, you remember there was a period where you were exercising every morning just to try to, like, remind yourself that your body, like, you know, could get better. You know, like, you were just trying it's to true. get better physically. I, I was incredibly weak, and, I, and I, did, I did commit to, like, crazy physical fitness as, like, a sort of when me and Chris started doing dopey, 
that was the most fit I ever was in my life. And I was talking to Jeremy about that today. Yep. I wasn't fit at all. That was the most fit I ever was. I remember Chris <laughs> came over. I had a chin-up bar uh, between the kitchen and the living room. And he was like, oh, let's do a chin-up competition. And Chris was like... He's a big guy. Yeah, but he was heavy. Yeah. You know, and I, I was like the thinnest I ever was, oh, and I was okay. like doing pull-ups. So I, I beat him. I think I did eight, and he did six. And, and, I, and he was like, well, we'll do it next time. I said, we're never doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> and we never did it again. And, and Chris wound up like exercising a ton. He, he, he went to the gym every day. That was yeah, his that was commitment. Yeah. yeah. But like... You know, I have problems. You know, I don't feel like coming on Dopey and talking about my problems, though. You know, oh, I oh, oh, you're you're saying that this guy says, thinks you sound like everything's great, but everything isn't great. You're just not. I don't feel mo- like talking, moaning, and groaning. I, but about I, you know, I call you up and I'm yeah, happy to yeah, moan. I mean, yeah. did you know anybody that likes to complain more than I do? Um, I think we all really like to complain. But We're good at it. But you're. I just want to talk about how much I hate Mary Poppins. <laughs> like, that's it. Like that's the only thing I want to talk about right now. Well, let's talk about it. <laughs> so I didn't. See, I first of all, I love Mary Poppins, the original, the original. Everyone does, except my wife. What? Your wife doesn't like a lot. No, of stuff. no. It's because there's a there's a Russian Mary Poppins that's closer to the book. She doesn't like the disnification. It, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like See, Mary Poppins that's, to her. Actually, that's the second person I've heard that was talking about the original books, and they liked this. And they liked this new movie because uh, it had like a flavor of the original books. So she's like, harsh. I've never read them a little bit. It, yeah, but I thought I thought Julie Andrews was fairly harsh. Not compared to well, that Emily Blunt is not more harsh than Julie Andrews. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Listen, I love Mary Poppins except one thing: it's too fucking long. It's just too fucking long. I was thinking that the new Mary Poppins was going to be Mary Poppins without that fucking cockamamie step in time. Which is great. And I, like I bet it. you like that stupid step in time. because Jim doesn't? was a, Jim was a tap dancer. Did you know that? Yeah, well, I, I tap dance too. Did I, you guys ever do a little number together? No, we should do, we should do something. And then I hate that fucking Toppins. If I was going to do a new Mary Poppins, I would do the same Mary Poppins without... Toppins or Steppin' Time. The Feed the Birds is one of the most beautiful Ugh. songs Ugh, in the good. whole movie. You well, probably don't like the, the lullaby, the stay awake lullaby. I don't know how that goes. Uh, um, Toppins. Toppins. <laughs> you don't even know the put, rest of the song. Put two toppins <laughs> in the bank <laughs> and you get some money back with your toppins. No! So you spend the toppins to buy bird seed from the woman Ugh. to feed the birds. Fucking kill me now. Uh, you don't even Nora, know what the song's about. I would watch about. it with Nora. She'd go, Daddy, could you fast forward this part? <laughs> I'd be like, yes. It's like when you're watching the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and you get to the Cheer Up Charlie song and oh. you're like, no, you fast forward it. I don't know anybody who watches it. Jesus Christ, that toppins. <laughs> Wait, is, is what's his name good? He's 92 now. Uh, Dick Van Dyke? Dick Van Dyke. He's probably one of the best sequences in the whole film. He's but he only shows up at the end and he's basically, he's a deus ex machina. All the things that they're worried about What exactly the is movie, a deus ex machina? It's, it's, God, God comes in and solves all the problems magically. And it literally means God from the machine, right? And what they used to do in Greek theater is, is that if everything was going deus wrong. Deus ex machina means in literally. Latin. Deus is God, God from the machine. You got it. And what they used to do is they literally 
literally would have this rig in the theater that was like a cloud with lightning bolts coming out of it. And when all everything was going to shit on stage, somebody would show up in a big white beard on a cloud and be like, no, everything's fine. And they're like, yay, right? So the deus ex machina is basically Dick Van Dyke because all the things that they're worried about for the entire film... Dick Van Dyke's character shows up. Sorry, spoilers, so don't listen. Dick Van Dyke's yeah, character... Yeah, if you guys are going to go see the new Mary Poppins, I would not listen to this part. Yes, I'm sorry. We're, we're giving a couple of things away. But at the very end, Dick Van Dyke's character shows up and basically negates all of the things that they have Does been he play doing. Bert? No. He doesn't play Bert? No. He plays the other character. Oh. He plays the... Well, he play, you remember the old man who ran the bank in the first one? And then yes. he turns like, give he, me those tuppings. That was, that was him. That was Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. So now he's playing the same character, but now what he's actually toppins? that old. <laughs> what is Toppins? Tuppence. What is it? Tuppence. It's like uh, two two pennies. Two pence. Yeah. So he plays the banker again. Yeah. Well, he plays the son of the banker, even though he's the same character, same beard, same everything. Don't you feel like if he had been Bert, that would have been better? Yeah, but Lin Manuel Miranda's new Bert. But I is think he Bert? Jack or Ge- Jerry or but something But if like Bert that. had showed up. One of a myriad of problems with the film. Now, I just want to, this reminds me of something else. There's a fan of Dopey named Justin who's English. Who just took his daughter to see Mary Poppins. He loves it, first of all. Did so, he, do you love the first one? I don't know. He loved the second one. Okay. He also loves Dopey, which gets me nervous if this movie's so bad. <laughs> no, a lot of people like it. I just happen to hate it for some reason. And I like well, everybody you hate in it. because the music's bad. Well, I, I hate it for a bunch of reasons. I hate it, one, because the story doesn't really make any sense. I don't particularly like the characterizations. You can't remember any of the songs when you leave the theater. I mean, honestly, I think there's one, like, London Sky that Lin-Manuel Miranda sings at the beginning. I could not tell you what the tune was. I'm telling you, those songs in the first Mary Poppins are just time. Gems. And and uh, <laughs> they are yeah. time. The first oh, one. Oh, it's a jolly holiday with Mary. you, birds. Yeah, it's amazing, Love right? That shit. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine. My favorite, down. my favorite of all of the Mary Poppins. You know, that's another thing, and and this probably makes the show worse. One of the things about Chris that made the show so good. He wouldn't even have known no what Lord. Mary Poppins was. <laughs> Literally, he would. It's like we're sitting. Who's Mary Poppins? Somebody you know? He would. He would have no idea. He wouldn't know a song, or he'd pretend. You know, which was great <laughs> either way. But my favorite Mary Poppins song is uh, is Chim Chimmery. Yeah, I sing that all day. It's I so was obsessed with that song. It's a I great was, song. When I was a little boy. I w- I wrote all the words, even though it's the same word over and over and over again. Chim Chimmery, Chim Chimmery, Chim Chimmery. I was like learning to write words, and I just wrote Chim Chimmery, Chim like over and over and over on this long. It's a haunting, weird, haunting song. Yes, it's beautiful. Now I apologize to the Dopey Nation for this foray into Mary Poppins. Now. I'm going to make another unfortunate foray and okay. change the channel. I took my daughter. Oh, and that was my shout out to Justin England. Justin in England, whose name happens to ironically be Justin England, or maybe it's a pseudonym. He just wrote a big piece about us and put it in some magazine. So he wanted a shout out on the show. So say what's up to Justin. What's up, Justin? What's thank up, you, Justin? Thank you for the shout out. Top of no, the No, you give to him you. the shout out. <laughs> no, you don't thank, thank you. you. No, I'm thanking thank you for writing the, the article. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Um, so I took my daughter this week to see Spider-Man, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which was bananas good. Everybody says it's good. I can't wait to see it. I fucking sit down in this chair. Like, I bought, I bought with eight people. Like, my brother-in-law, this father I'm friendly with, 
his two kids, my daughter and her friend. And, I, and I, I, I'm like the fucking, I'm like Charles Griswold. I'm coming in with two buckets of popcorn, <laughs> all these snow caps. I'm, I have my, my, my jacket pockets are full of granola bars and oranges. <laughs> I'm just sending them down the line. And, uh, and the movie starts, and I'm just like transported, you know, to because I'm crazy comic book fan. And um, I have to say, the second. Because it's about a, a Spider-Man in an alternate universe. The second Peter Parker shows up, I, like, start sobbing. <laughs> I'm, like, fucking crying my eyes out. And it very much connected me to, like... Your childhood. My childhood to Chris, to Why Todd. To Chris? Because it's, like, these friendships and loss. People are dying. And it's, mm-hmm. like, just, like, some fucking thing. And, like, I'm, like, fucking crying... You know, during like it's this crazy like. Is it are other people crying in the theater? Everybody, there was not a dry house. For really? Sp- no, I'm the only person. I was the only freak in that place crying. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It was fucking deep. Like I think it. I think that it affected me so much because of my childhood. Because like literally, my room was covered with comic books. And, I and Spider Man. I feel like was a big one for you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. Um, and just like his kid from Queens, Peter Parker, like I just felt very connected to the character. That movie, it, it's incredibly good. And you know they have Peter Parker. I know the, the spectacular Spider Ham. I there. mean, give me a break. It's when very I saw good. that in the preview, I was like, I'm getting my ass to see this. That's insane. But I don't want to, you know, I don't want to spoil anything in that movie. But like, there's a bunch of stuff in the movie that just like I don't know for some reason hit me in this weird place. But I was like a little I find myself like that Like a sad movie doesn't elicit sadness from me But like a nostalgic movie does A movie where somebody like Gets respect The respect they always deserved Mm. Like that fucking always gets me like I always cry in those moments. Like, like, like when the, the people, like people, remember who he was or something, and they get the respect, or like somebody shows up from his past. That's that's what gets me in a movie. Like that's what when I cry in a movie. Um, so yeah, I, I recommend Spider Man into the Spider Verse. I do not recommend the new Mary Poppins movie. Wait, I have a question for you, Dave. Do you think that if your mother hadn't died, that you would have been able to get clean? I hope so. I mean, that. thank God that's a question I can't answer. Thank God. I asked because you, just what you were This getting. is the kind of thing that gets my father very upset. I'm sorry. The truth is, because my dad will listen to this, I'm and sorry. he was going to get no. angry at me after I answered this. I'm sorry, this. Alan. I didn't mean to open. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would like to think, yes, I would have gotten clean no matter what. And I think I would have gotten clean because of my children. Because of the yes. Nora. Yeah, and you've always Be- said that. So. Uh, yeah. Well, for me, it was like being, it's like what was the mo- the biggest misery for me was to be a father and not be able to be a father, to be checked out as a father, to be too high to parent, to, to be a child as a father, you know what I mean? Like who can't do anything. I asked because I just, I remember one of the times... Like we reconnected when you were trying, like beginning to try to come out of the the haze, and I remember sitting with you. Or you may not remember this, but remember we were sitting in like the courtyard outside, and we were 
we were talking about, I think your mother, I think she was still alive. I'm pretty sure. And we were just, this thing that you're, that you're talking about with where where movies where people get the respect they deserve. and And I was, I was just sort of talking about, you know, you as a child and, your parents, you know, put you down a lot and or, or like had certain kinds of expectations of you like doing calamitous, crazy things. And sometimes you did. But I really didn't. But you really didn't. But you kind of like lived down to certain expectations or for, or, or battle against them all the time. Or like, like when you when you got your your job for 80 grand, there was, you know, like there was a lot of. Like shock for them, and or and you were like, you know, see, I'm really, I can really do it. You know, do you remember this this courtyard? And you were, you were, it was one of the few times I really sat with you, and you were bawling. Like, no, I don't you, remember. You were crying and crying and crying, and I was like, and I was feeling good about myself. I was like, oh, I, I fixed Dave. Like he got, <laughs> he got it all out of his system. Now he'll be. Like, now he, I really wanted you to be better, and I was like, it was my first. You know, when was that? I, you know, with me with time. Um. <laughs> <laughs> like when I lived here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So 20, 20, yeah, 20 yeah, years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, was, it, was, it was just the very beginning of you, like, starting to come out of it. And it was, it was our, it was, and I think because of that, I was starting to reconnect with you. And I, you know, was totally naive about. But I certainly didn't come out of it. You didn't. No, no. no. It was just the very beginning of it. Right. And like I, knowing that I had to come out of something. Yeah. I just remember I just remember you like you were touching this this very deep pain and I was thinking okay if he's able to actually access this pain maybe he can start to live with it and not have to medicate himself to avoid So what it did I time. say then what was the You pain? weren't talking I was talking I was just telling you what I had seen in your life like you growing up and you know kind of you being this very I think very talented creative but not not in a not celebrated. Well, not just not celebrated, but you, you know, you, your parents were very by the book, by the rules, like, like with plans, long-term plans, and that worked, you know, and, and regularity, and, you know, they were just such upstanding. I love your parents. I loved peeing here because my parents were so weird and, and crazy. <laughs> like, right. like this, there was stability city for me. Right. I loved it. But for you, I feel like you were- the, I hated it. You, it, it was crushing for yeah. you. And you were constantly battling against it and trying to break it, and 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 they were pissed about it, you know, because they struggled to create this life for you, and you were, you know, trying to do everything you could to undo it, you know, and 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 drugs were a perfect way of, of getting of sort of finishing that, but also, I felt like it was a way of getting you to avoid this pain of not having that what you call respect, but like, like validation, you know, like that you were valuable, that, that there was this, this thing with you and them that I felt a lot of the time, like, you know, I don't know. I like, I came here and I, 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 I felt like, you know, they were very nice to me and they, they saw me in a certain, you know, they didn't see a lot of my flaws. They saw me as a friend that they were glad that you had, but I was like, you know, you should see your own son this way. And I did see you that way in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of people have, you know, you're, you're this powerful, you know, a lot of people are drawn to you. You always were surrounded by people. That wasn't just because you were afraid of being alone. It was because you have this magnanimous personality that draws people towards you. And you engage people. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, we can go out and get a sandwich, and you're having a conversation about how much the guy thinks the rent is. You know, like, how much do you think they pay for rent on this place? He's like, 
I, I don't know. I, I'm a part-time employee. I don't know. And then I said, just ballpark. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, probably 15000 <laughs> Like, does that seem right? Does that seem about right? But I mean, like, like, and you have this flawless ability to do that in almost any situation with any person. I remember when we went to go see Greg's play and those two jackasses uh, tell were, t- that's right. that's a funny were talking behind us. There's nothing to tell, really. We went to go see our friend Greg Keller in, this, uh, in a play that he was doing. Greg's been on the show. Uh, right, yes. Yeah, so I'm just, uh, for those who, you know, he's not here today, but yes. So um, so we went to go see it. It was me, you, Devin. Was that it? It was yeah. just the three of us? Yeah. And there were these two jackasses sitting directly behind us. Talking. Who were having a full conversation about what they thought about the play. Not even like, where do you want to go for dinner afterwards? Like, I don't like this. This guy's like, no, the writing's not, like in almost full voice. During the play. During the play. And like, and almost, and I'm b- literally biting my arm. And all three of us, and everybody around them is upset. But, you know, like, and I leaned over and like said to you at one point, and I, and like, w- like I made eyes with you, you know, because we were sitting next to him, and I was like, I'm going to, and you even beat me to the punch. You were like, I'm going to kill these guys. It was like, I'm waiting till intermission and I'm turning around. And then as soon as intermission came, one of the guys like says out like out loud before that like, even the lights have transitioned, he goes, uh, I don't like this. And Dave wheels on him and he goes like, I don't like what you're doing because you're ruining the play and like literally jumps down this guy's throat. And he, I mean, he was right. And everybody around us was, had the same feeling that we did. Dave goes outside to smoke a cigarette. He comes back in buddy-buddy with one of the dudes outside. And, and just like, no, do you understand? And I was like, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Dave, Dave's my friend. I know Dave, right? I'm just like, how did you do this? You were outside for seven minutes. And you've, and you've always had that. You've always been, you've always had that ability. You know, to engage with people, yeah, to bring dude, people dude in. Like this. I'm yeah, telling you, like this at all. you've always had it. I appreciate that. I'm just backing up what Jim's saying. No, I, I appreciate that. And that was really a very funny story. Um, if you were there, I, I, I yelled at those guys. Oh, and then, and then I did so go smoke yelled. a cigarette, and then I did make peace with one of them. And then, yeah. then I was like, you guys are going to shut, shut up, up uh, aren't you? And they did. <laughs> and they did. Um, all right, let's get to an email. Let's get to an email. Um, it's like, this is Dave, this is your life all of a sudden. <laughs> it's like, what are you supposed to do with that, Jim? With what I with, was saying? Yeah, what's your point? Uh, you just made me think of it because you were you were talking about crying in Spider Man, crying in Spider Man, and I was and it just made me think of that time. I mean, it's just it's a classic. It's it's a classic. But but I I actually feel like, I mean, I feel like you know, listen. I, I said this before, but listening to you on Dopey over the years now, you hear. It, like this, this joy that the guy's talking about—that that you say isn't isn't omnipresent in your life, but but you try to show on dopey—it's part of a kind of a like you believe in yourself in a way that you maybe haven't before, and I think part of it is is the growth of dopey. Like they're they're very tied together. Well, the growth of dopey has been thrilling, but the truth is that. It's very, very, very basic, this thing. Like, I appreciate everything you guys are saying, but the most basic piece of it is I was a fucking junkie who could not go to work three days in a row, who, who like, couldn't afford to do anything, who had, I had no ability to support myself or anybody else, and I got clean, 
And, like, I can take my family out to dinner. I can pay the mortgage. I can, like, fucking travel to work and work for 10 years. And it's, like, that pays off in self-esteem. And it's, like, my life is great because the only... And I say this on Dopey all the time. The only reason that my life is good is because I got clean. You know, if I hadn't gotten clean, my life wouldn't be good. You know, I like to talk about the good aspects of my life because my life... You know, it's, it's very culty, born-again shit, but my life got saved. I was fucking in big trouble. I mean, you guys saw me. Jeremy, I lived in Jeremy's house in California. Okay? In the garage. No, no, but I lived in, in, I lived in a bedroom until I, I spent all my money on heroin and, and meth. So, and then I lost my job, obviously, because all I was doing was heroin and meth. So I was like, how about if I live in the garage and I won't have to pay rent? And Jeremy, God bless him, loves me. You know, he probably hated that he has this fucking barnacle, Jewish barnacle junkie living on his fucking life. But, you know, he's, God bless him. The only he's, thing I hated was, like, the blood on the bathroom well, that walls. Was, that was it. That was it. So, fucking, I, I moved to the fucking garage. And every morning, I, I take whatever money, whatever tuppence I can get together. <laughs> I drive down to downtown Los Angeles. And I come back. And I needed the light in the bathroom to shoot up. I was so bad at shooting dope uh, that I needed the light and the white of the bathroom to shoot properly because it was dark in the garage and nasty. So I would always shoot dope in their bathroom, and I would literally get blood all over their floor, and I wouldn't clean it up. Oh, I'm not talking about the floor. It was on the walls, on the ceiling. Yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I I was like, because I thought I was in in that movie. What was that movie? Uh, Train spotting. No, the the one. Uh, <laughs> Mary Poppins. The Jerry Stalm. The Jer- uh, Permanent Midnight. And uh. he would shoot. He would shoot his blood onto the ceiling. I did that at my last and one of my old apartments, and they wouldn't refund me money. Um, <laughs> you know but, what I'm saying? But so, J- so Jeremy's <laughs> Jeremy's buddy Phil, like, was like. This dude is bleeding all over the bathroom. He can't live here. And Jeremy's like, well, I've been friends with him. Todd's like, come on. And, and Phil's like, he's got to go. Phil and, was a pig rent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and so was Todd and Jeremy. But I was like, I had to go. You know, I, but that's the kind of life I had. Like, like I, I lived off everybody. Yeah, I know. I understand. You, 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 you got there. But, you know, but this is what I, I've sort of been coming back to is why? Like, why did you make... You know, Jared didn't make those decisions, and even Todd, to some degree, you know, he was still paying. Like, like, how did you get? Some of it is, I think, is about like this, this, this feeling alone, and just this like lack of of worth that you don't, you don't. I don't know. There was something. There was a piece that was missing that I feel like has been kind of grown. Like you, I think whatever piece that was missing, like. Got grown back through, you know, through working the steps, through actual clean time, and then through being, being needed, father, being, being needed, yeah. and having to 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 be in this position. Let's right. read an email. Enough about me. Sorry. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> Fucking hell. Now, before I read the email, I want to read uh, a review. Here, Jim, come here. Quick, quick, quick. Faster, please. Come on, move. Time is money, man. Read this one. And read read how many stars and who it's from and the whole thing. Okay, it's four stars. Uh, it's what's it say on it? Wait, it? it says "Wait Your Turn" by Carrie Mary Thirteen from December twenty second, twenty eighteen. Very recently. 
Very recently. I love this podcast, but Dave needs to calm down and let his guests finish at least half a story without interrupting and taking it down seven different roads. <laughs> the guest loses their chain of thought, and the story doesn't make sense anymore. Let the message happen, man, or just have it be you. It reminds me of 3 a.m. Coke nights. Hold on here. With the fast, interrupting, crazy talk. Thank you, Carrie. And then they say, was this review helpful? And I say, no, not helpful. And then read this one. This is another good review. This is a better review. This is a happier review. I mean, I do interrupt too much, but that's the nature of the show. Yeah. What am I going to do? Okay, so this And listen, if you have a bad review, don't fucking write it. Just write the good stuff. Speaking of interrupting. Just write the good stuff. Uh, I can't. What does this say? It says Dave. I, no, no, it doesn't. Oh, oh it no, says no. Bilal. Bilal One. This is by Bilal One, and it's uh, it's the title is Dopey Podcast. Five stars. Five stars. The Dave. The Dopey Podcast has been keeping me company for the for the last two-ish weeks. That's I'm, it. Two-ish weeks. I'm an unafflicted mother of a twenty-four. Oh yeah, unaf- I'm an unafflicted mother of a twenty-four-year-old heroin an- any drug. Uh, Heroin slash any drug slash you can find addict. addict. My niece told me about the bo- the podcast, and I've been hooked since the first li- since the first listen. My son is night. Why on. can't you read? I, What's I, wrong with you? I need my my reading glasses. Oh, <laughs> I can't God see it. help me. <laughs> Jesus Christ! That's, that's really what's happening. Getting old. I really am. Oh, that's so much better. Okay. My son is 90 days clean after years of drug use, countless troubles with the law, and an overall miserable existence for all who love him. To say I'm thrilled is the biggest understatement there is. I listened to the episodes around Chris's tragic death first and found I had to start from the beginning. You both have taught me so much, given me more laughs than I ever expected, and given me hope in spite of the heartbreaking loss of Chris and Todd. Keep strong, Dave, and keep doing what you were born to do. You have a gift. Both of you did. I know how sad and angry you must be without Chris. However, this podcast has made a huge difference in the lives of so many. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and toodles. Triple exclamation point and a heart. A nice red heart. Nice red heart. That means real love. Okay, now read this one. Oh, boy. Do I say what's from? No. Okay. Hi, uh, hi, Dave. Been meaning to email you for a while, but finally getting around to, do, around to it. Just saw your Christmas Facebook post. I'm a Lutheran pastor and an author, former journalist. I'm writing a book about Christians who voted for Trump and called Red State Christians. It's a book called Red State Christians. Okay. Trump called Red State. Sorry. I've, <laughs> I found you when I was driving around New Hampshire interviewing conservative Catholics. I kept hearing how the opioid epidemic was ravaging churches in New England from all sorts of priests. I was looking for a podcast on opioids, I can't say this word, in New England, and yours came up on the search. Suddenly, I was listening to the episode after Chris's death and was riveted. My brother has been sober for seven years, alcohol, and my grandpa was also a recovered alcoholic and opiate abuser. Got sober in his 50s, I think. My dad grew up getting him drinks at the bar. My brother-in-law also went through major drug addiction and is now sober, though he drinks sometimes. As for me, I was a super straight arrow and never did anything more than a, than hold a blunt, maybe, LOL, for about 10 seconds in college at a frat house. 
I do like alcohol and being kind of socially anxious. I felt its magic the first time I drank. I get super sick if I have more than a few drinks, though, so that has always kept me in check. Being a pastor and a writer, I have worked a lot with families and, and, active, and active addiction. I feel like I have a unique insight into it, and I'm always looking to learn more. I always thought I'd, I'd be susceptible to opiate abuse because occasionally I would take Vicodin, prescribed a huge amount once in my early 20s, when I drank. I felt so relaxed when I took it, but once, once I took one of my husband's pills, ACL surgery leftover, by accident, and again ended up super sick and puking. I previously worked in sports writing and spent a lot of time around professional athletes, and that culture is one of heavy drinking, partying often. All that to say, I guess I don't necessarily fit the typical profile of the dopey nation. Now I'm a married woman of two and rarely have more than one drink, but I find your words, testimony, humor, and empathy extremely relatable. Being a writer and a pastor, I know what it's like not to be in the normal 9-to-5 world and to be misunderstood. I've been listening from episode one since that trip to New England in October 2018. I'm up like 40 now. I'm up to like 40 now. And the and like the escape it provides my every day. And like the escape. <laughs> You've already read this, Dave. I've I don't know. I never read it. Okay. Okay. I'm up to like 40 now. And like the escape it provides from my every day. I'm also heartbroken about Chris, but it reminds me how important it is to be vigilant and present when I'm working with people in addiction. The church has often handled addiction awfully. Finally, my first congregation in Chicago held two AA meetings a day. I got to know those folks better than any in my congregation in many cases. Their stories stick with me. Thanks for doing what you do. Don't stop. Stay strong. People like me who might never guess would love Dopey are listening and learning, and it means a lot. Thanks. Reverend, blah, 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 blah. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, I like it. That's pretty, pretty crazy stuff. Um, should we have my dad come in real quick before it's over? Yeah, I, think I think he's, he's awake. awake. He's, he's awake. He's asleep. Dad! Now, obviously, my dad could not resist coming on the show, even in a deep sleep. I was fast said, asleep. Wait, my public needs me? No, I didn't say that. It's just ridiculous that you're telling me you to come missed, out. You're going to listen to this show. Yeah. And you're not going to believe the stuff that Jim has intimated about you and Mom. No. He said such bad things, mostly not. about Mom. Jim, him, your best, your favorite one, Jim, Jimmy. That's not true. He did. Not true. He no. said, because of your expectations, I was catapulted into a life of self-hatred and drug addiction. Can, did you hear what he said on the episode, like... No, he doesn't. Two weeks ago? It was last week. I, 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 he I, said, I he said up. for 42 years his life was miserable. And only in the last three years that he had a good life. Is that ridiculous? I think what about the first 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17? He did a pretty, he did a pretty good job keeping himself miserable. Now you're going to blame me? <laughs> Before you, the blame was squarely on you and mom. No, I think the blame was on you uh, the whole time. See, now you're going to all turn on me? This is a big celebration of me. This is what, what happens. happens. That's what happens when you wake your father up past midnight to do your show. To make yeah. him feel bad yeah. about the way he raised me. <laughs> That's what you get. Anyway. To be fair, what I said was that I felt like you and Nancy had a very structured existence with a very clear plan for your life. and I mean, it seems like that. Yes. And this guy... Is not uh, like his DNA is not not designed. His for that. DNA is Nancy and my DNA. <laughs> well, I know, but somehow it's something. You must have some other like very creative, 
you know, out there. Maybe, know? maybe Poppy. Maybe Nancy's father. My mother's father. The black sheep. The strange communist dentist, womanizing maniac. <laughs> yeah, that's that you. That sounds that's so just like awesome. You. That that's also not true. It's <laughs> a lie. I, I imported I imported Chinese uh, Swiss Army knives. Oh, Isn't that, is that creative? <laughs> Listen, I want real quick. When I was when Jeremy and I were probably seven years old. Yes, tell the story. Snow was falling in the Bronx Zoo. This is where I told you he had a good life as a kid. Jeremy and I, sitting on the back of a sled, a flexible flyer, as my father, Alan, pulled us through the hills and dales of the Bronx Zoo. We still have the, the sled. No, I we don't. I think you're conflating two different stories. I don't even know You can't bring a is. sled into the Bronx yes, Zoo. Yes, we did. We really? Did. I pulled you both. On the I remember we kept calling him Jeeves. Yeah, because he kept pulling right. us on he the sled. Right, he was all right, I know. He was our <laughs> chauffeur, I remember. The snow. You know, yes, the that snow one I definitely remember. The snow was on the ground. I sat forward and you sat backwards on the wooden sled mm-hmm. as my father trudged through the snow. We got to the otter enclosure... And there were no otters. So what happened, Jeremy? So uh, your father turned to us and with a twinkle in his eye said, it must be otter order. <laughs> or, or, uh, May- or maybe even otter space. Right. Or they're in the otter limits. And my dad was so proud. It's too bad the Dopey Nation can't see his face right now. For the rest of the day, he couldn't stop. And then maybe there was a break where he stopped talking about it for about 45 minutes. We get back to the car, and I remember this very well. Me and Jeremy get into the back seat of the car, and my dad gets into the front seat. He, He starts the car. He licks his finger, marks one in the air, and says... I think we have to chalk another one up for the big A. <laughs> no, but that was the story I was telling last week. I said, don't remember going to the zoo when you were saying that you didn't have a But after life. that, it was total self-esteem robbing life, mm-hmm. making me feel like I, I needed something better than what I had. Listen, it's not your fault. I'm a sick person. I mean, you didn't help anything, <laughs> but, but I'm a sick person. Obviously. You're an amazing father. The, the greatest father I've ever had. <laughs> nice. Easily. Well, you, well I'll, I'll say this. Like, you, you did plant something in him that, that made him get clean in order to be a father. Yeah. Like, he wanted so badly to be what you were for him. All right. Take it easy, John. <laughs> now, you, here, here's your... This two weeks in a row, and I vowed never to put my dad on Dopey two weeks in a row. Vowed. Now, I've broken a vow. So what do, you, what do you want to add to the show? <laughs> I, I shouldn't be here. That's what I mean. <laughs> well, you badgered him no, into I mean, coming. That's exactly. I was. Just, I should have been fast asleep. You were fast. <laughs> he was. He was pretending to be asleep. I wasn't. Pretending. He's fully clothed, <laughs> lying on top of the blankets, waiting for his call. Listen, did you have a good show? I mean, nah, it's not, it's not great. There's a lot of this kind of stuff. Oh, no, and by Jim, but mostly Jim blaming you for my drug addiction. I don't believe that. You couldn't have said I that. I cannot wait till next week. I cannot wait no. till tomorrow. You'll listen to it tomorrow. I'll give you Jim's number. You can call him during the day. <laughs> don't call me about it. You call him. He actually yeah, he did not. No, no. He mostly blamed Mom. No, no. That's what good I, no, stuff. No, that's not. They, Listen, no. this this can't go out in in, in, in network. The only fault, network, whatever, <laughs> whatever this thing is, whatever this microphone it's is, it's like screaming to. in the the, the, the forest. Well, no one cares. Who's the cause of somebody becoming addicted? 
Tell me, who is it? Here we go. Yes. Just talk to Jim. He's the one who blames you. I blame myself. I wasn't talking about the addiction. I was talking about the... the Self-hatred. The self-hatred. That I learned to hate myself because my parents were such lousy parents. <laughs> what, what are I you said? doing? Uh, it's good night, you everybody. Are, you <laughs> are the devil. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. Another pl- oh, why don't you add your thing about the thing? What thing? It turns out that we are way closer. Oh, yeah. Please. Absolutely. This the million, the million downloads? I mean, it's going to happen even before my birthday, it looks like. It will happen before your birthday. It's I like, think it's, it's going to be... It's 989,000, like, at this moment If right that's now. true, then we're looking at, you know, this week, the end of the week. Now, I want to say... I don't think that's going to be... The, the greatest father a person could have is my dad. A wonderful man. Are Wonderful. you fooling around or you're... I mean, you're never going to know. You're never going to know. You don't know. The greatest father I could have ever had is him. And uh, and I had a nice, happy childhood. But uh, I'm a sick person. I'm a drug addict. What do you want from me? Well, you're... you're I blame you, 100%. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> nice. And now, before we go... Because the show has to end, but this is the New Year's episode. Well, it's, oh. the, it's the last episode of the old year. The last episode last episode of the year. So obviously we're sad that, uh, that our friends died and stuff. We are happy that uh, babies were born and things changed. Is there anything you would like to do differently this year, Dad, than you did the last 74 years of your life? Yeah, maybe not listen to the show so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a resolution we all can get on board with. I don't think that's going to happen, though. No, Jeremy, no. do you have any resolutions you'd like to make? Um, I'd like to grow four more inches. That's not going to happen either. <laughs> See, but like it's it's an attitude like that that's going to keep it from happening. Do you have anything that you would like to do differently this year than you did last year? You mean this coming year? Yes, coming, 2019. Um, anything that I, I could do, uh, I would, I want to work out more. Physically? Yes, physically work out more. Because I changed my eating habits and it's made a tremendous difference in uh, my energy and like keeping weight off and everything else. Now I just need to get back uh, with the with actually like working out every so day. So what are they, give me the three tips to, to changing your life nutrition-wise real quick for the dopey nation. <laughs> Great. Um, uh, try to eat more vegetables, less meat. Yes. Um, don't eat processed foods. Try to cook as much as you can with uh, healthy ingredients. And uh, don't do drugs. What about the pastrami sandwich you just ate? Yeah, I'm on vacation. Oh. Jim, any, any resolutions you'd it like to make? It was delicious, too. Maybe you shouldn't blame my parents for all my problems. Yeah. Well, how about, how, yeah, don't, don't, uh, <laughs> don't blame anyone for your problems, really. Uh, I, I would say my, my resolution is taking responsibility for my own life. That's and getting, getting a lot of sleep. Trying to get enough sleep so I don't sabotage myself. So you're much. a parent. How do you get sleep? Well, I try to get more sleep. So you're, pro- you're, you're, say it again one more time. My resolution, my resolution is to get more sleep so I can really focus on my goals and uh, kind of get out of my own. So way. what you want to do differently this year is sleep more. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, honestly. You know what? That is the best New Year's resolution I really I've heard. I think, it's, I think it's the biggest, the biggest stumbling block I have. It's really hard to do what I do if you're tired, if you haven't gotten enough sleep. And I almost never have enough sleep. Sleep is, is really a cornerstone for sanity. I can't wait till you hear the stuff he said. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. I, I don't believe it. All right. That, don't. That, uh, let me just, the, the caveat. Don't, for, don't. For what, the, way, the way he's interpreting it was I was just, David talking about how he was crying during Spider-Man. And That's it. Leave it at that. Let, <laughs> let everyone else ponder no, what listen, comes I'm next. I'm just having fun because I know that Jim Jim did some very nice 
psychic uncovering. And then I like to turn the tables on this and get you nervous and him. I like that. It's my it's my kind of wheelhouse. You're the worst. Now, I would like to make my resolution that I will not do this to you guys again in the new year. <laughs> and Lie. I will try my best to not do this. I will. I'm going to try to not eat my feelings with all I, I'd like to not have so many dessert options when I come here how am I supposed to have a healthy life if all there is is chocolate and cookies and cakes it's unbelievable <laughs> it's obviously your fault Alex. right it's uh, unbelievable no I would like to I would like to also change my eating habits I would like to also change my exercising habits I would like to get some higher quality guests on Dopey <laughs> for Christ's sake and um you know I, I mean you know some pretty pretty High-quality guests this year. There's big things coming yes. in 2019. I hope, yeah. Things I think so. I may, I may even listen again, yes. I'm sure. I, I, I'm sure you'll I, listen I, I tomorrow may, morning, I, bright and early. I'm, I will listen to. I will listen tomorrow morning. You did, yes. you did you're, I'm, I'm nervous now. What? I'm worried he's going to totally misinterpret. <laughs> I, look for, I look forward <laughs> to the water so efficiently. <laughs> I look forward to it. But I want to say thank you to all of you guys, and I want to apologize to all you guys for me being such a jerk. I just think it's funny. What do you want from me? This is what I do. I like to stir the pot. But I want to thank everyone in the Dopey Nation for listening and for being such a... I was just trying to get you to forgive yourself. I forgive myself. I just can't. I hope that my father can forgive you. That's all I know. Um, I would like to thank everyone for listening. I would like to thank everybody for being such a, a big part of the show, especially you, Dad. You're a great part of the show. Thank you. You're welcome. And you guys did a nice job tonight filling in. Thank you. And uh, there's big stuff coming up in the future. So, uh, which you can't talk about right now. I don't think we, I think you guys should look forward to some really exciting developments hopefully happening yeah. this year. Yeah. And I didn't tell the terrible Artie Lang story from this last week, but we can save it for the future. Yeah. So for now, we say stay strong, Dopey Nation, and, um, and toodles for Chris. Right? And, uh, and Happy New Year to everybody. Yes. Happy New Year. God New bless year. us, everyone. Everyone. <laughs> I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good, so bad. Bad desires, all I ever had. And I wanna take a ride up in the sky. Watch this airplane just pass me by. And I wanna see a Lear jetliner take a dive. Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive. But I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desire's all I ever had. And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller. And it's time to where I stand. Shadow's getting smaller and smaller. And it's time to where I stand. And I wonder would they pay it any mind when I leave this busted city far behind. I'll take the high road, however far it winds, because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find. And I wanna be good so bad. 
good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good, so bad. Bad desires, all I ever had. Damn it, all these suckers make me mad. And it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had. And these suckers make me mad, and I wanna call my dad. And it's all I ever had. 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 Suckers make me mad, and it's all I ever had. And I wanna call my dad, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had.